trust, I began to trust him, and I said, we're going to have church. And uh, as I announced that we were going to have church and we began to leave, uh, I was driving home, and all of a sudden, I, the, the, the phrase pop-up revival just came in my mind because revival just popped up on us. And, and immediately, I began, to look, I began to think through the Bible at places that there were pop-up revivals. Abraham was called, or excuse me, Abram was called out of the land of his father, and he's heading, and he gets to Canaan, and all of a sudden, the Lord appeared to him and said, this land I will give to your descendants, and Abraham anointed the place and began to worship there. All of a sudden, out of an unplanned time, a revival popped up that said, I'm going to raise up a nation said, I'm going to raise up a power. Moses was walking on the backside of the desert, hiding from his call, hiding from the challenges in his life, hiding from the difficulties. And all of a sudden, on the side of the mountain of God was a bush that was on fire but was not consumed. And there was a pop-up revival that saved a nation. All of a sudden, I began to go through the Word, and I began to think about all the different times the revival just popped up. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The first thing that happened is I got scared to death because I still, to this this second, I still don't know if this is a one-night revival or if it's going to go on. I will, we'll know by the end of service. But, but, but it scared me when all of a sudden God showed me, started showing me all the pop-up revivals in the Bible. I go, God, if you want me to preach on all those, we're going to be here a while. I'm glad he didn't give me a revival for every button in the Bible. That's 10 years right there. But... Um, but as I got up this morning, last night I put up a post letting people know about the service and got up this morning and began to ask God what it was he wanted me to speak and he led me to Acts chapter 3. So I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight. Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to just read a few verses of Scripture. That slide is actually wrong. It's right in the thing. We're going to do verses 9 through 12. I added a couple more verses. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation tonight. This is what the Word of the Lord says. It says, All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. i got to read that one again. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Oh, I like this part. Peter saw his opportunity. Nobody shouted. Again, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity (laughs) and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, What is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would right right now raise up an opportunity. Lord, pop up in our life a revival that brings opportunity to change the lives of those that are around us. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would allow me to speak your word with boldness, with correctness, and with life so that everyone who hears this message, whether they be in this room or they be watching on Facebook, Lord, I pray that the anointed power of God would lift up an opportunity to change hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You're being seen to look somebody and say, I'm trying to find my opportunity. Now, I'm going to tell you something. 
Tonight, I am not Pastor Tommy. Tonight, I am Evangelist Tommy. Now, let me tell you what that means. It doesn't And I'm not going to whistle like Brother Curtis does. But I can tell you one thing. I'm going to act like I don't know any of your situations, and I'm just going to shoot with a shotgun tonight. Because normally I sugarcoat so many things, and I'm so nice. Uh, but, and I've never told an evangelist to worry about time, and I ain't going to worry about time tonight. Because this is my opportunity. God still hadn't told me if I get another opportunity or not, so I'm taking this one. Now, as we begin to read here, many of you that are Bible scholars in this room understand where we're at. When I said Acts chapter 3, many of you automatically went back to the lame man at the gate beautiful. I have preached that sermon a thousand times in a hundred different ways. I've talked about the makings of a miracle. When I was an evangelist 20 years ago, I, I, and, I, and I, I, I evangelized all the time. That was one of the sermons I preached in just about every revival until God wouldn't let me because I didn't trust him enough. But that's another story. Some of you know it. Some of you don't. Maybe you'll hear it later. But this story is one that it, it fires us up. Peter and, and John have just come through the day of Pentecost. They have received the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They have begun to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Peter has stood up and addressed the crowd on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people have gotten saved. Ooh, now I'm going to tell you something. When revival hits and 3,000 people get saved, I, I don't know if you understand. But, but I, I'm going to tell you, Pastor Acre, you know where I'm at. If we preach a message and 3,000 people get saved, for about two weeks after it, we're like. We feeling good. We're going home and we're putting it on Facebook. And we're tweeting about it, and we're sending out Instagram pictures of people laid out in the floor, and we're calling the overseer. And the, I'm going to tell you, 3,000 people get saved. I ain't worrying about calling Brother Powell. I'm calling Dr. Hill. And I'm saying, hey, Dr. Hill, let me tell you what's happening in Chillicothe. Next time Dr. Hill shakes my hand after I've won 3,000 people to the Lord in one of my sermons, he ain't going to ask about my daddy. He's going to be asking my daddy about me. And we, we get a little excited, but all of a sudden, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John went up to the house of the Lord at the hour of prayer. Now, I've got a whole other sermon I preach. I ain't got time to preach it tonight, but there's a whole sermon about being where you need to be. You can't get a miracle until you do what you're supposed to do. We can't wait for some of, oh, Peter could have said, I don't need to go to prayer. Do you know who I am? I preached last week and 3,000 people got saved. Peter and John said, it's time to pray. We're going to pray. And when they're walking in, there by the gate, beautiful was a man who had been lame from his mother's womb and been, had been laid there to beg alms. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I, this is all background. We've got to have background. He says, he said, as they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was carried each day and was put beside the temple gate that is called beautiful so he could beg from those people going in the temple. I've preached this before, but let me tell you something. The Bible says he was laid there every day. Jesus has only been dead 50 days. Crucifixion happened 50 days ago. Three days after the crucifixion, he rose again. And then he was ascended up to heaven. And he's been in heaven now about 10 days. This man was not six months old. 
I'm going to tell you something that messes some people's minds up. Jesus went into the temple and passed that lame man. Pastor, I don't see that in the Bible. Well, I don't see any way it could be. If he was by the gate beautiful and they brought him there every day and we know that Jesus went to the temple, that was what he did. He may have drove some people out of the temple with whips and they may have run that poor crippled man over. See, we don't think about that. Sometimes we think, just because I didn't get my blessing today doesn't mean your blessing ain't coming. Just because I didn't get my touch today doesn't mean your touch ain't coming. Just because I didn't get my healing today doesn't mean that God's not got something greater planned for your healing. Jesus could have healed him and he could have walked. But if he waited just a little bit, Jesus could use his healing to spring up a pop-up revival. We preach about the lame man. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And the Bible says immediately his feet and ankle bones regained strength. And he went running and leaping and praising God into the temple. Oh, we know how to shout. We know how to celebrate how that God changed this man's life. But God changed his life for a purpose. Evangelist, pastor, evangelist, Tommy sits down, but he's going to tonight. Tell you something. Sometimes we get so caught up in what God's doing in us, we forget that everything God does in us, he does for a purpose. Every victory, every healing, every deliverance, every blessing, every anointing. Excuse me, Diane. Ain't none of it for you. He he didn't bring you here tonight so that you could hear a good sermon. He didn't bring you here tonight so that somebody could lay hands on you and you could fall out in the floor. He didn't bring you here so you could shout. He brought you here tonight so that you could have an opportunity to rise up in your life to change your environment. He went running and leaping and praising God into the temple. And verse 9 says, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. He wasn't hiding the fact. He wasn't ashamed of the fact of what he used to be. He wasn't shy about where he used to be. He made sure everybody saw him and everybody heard him. The lame man didn't get up and go, oh, I think I feel better. That's what we've gotten into. Oh, I, I don't want to talk about what God brought me out of. I, I, I don't want people to hear me praising. I don't want people to see me walking. I got news for you. When they begin to see you moving and they begin to hear you praising, it changes their life. It says when they realized that this was a lame beggar, that they had, so, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, They were absolutely astounded. Do you know who that is? That's the beggar. There was probably somebody because they were church folk. That's how I know it was one one of these. There was somebody going, I knew he was fake. I gave him $5 last week. He's a crook. Say, I know there was one of those good church people. That's how we think. Well, I just knew it. I felt in my spirit he wasn't right. They were astounded. How can that? Oh. I'm setting things up. I ain't got to my sermon yet. I like being the evangelist. <laughs> when they realized it was a lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely amazed. I'm astounded. Who are they?
they were churchgoers. We're not talking tonight about a pop-up revival in the city courthouse. We're not talking about a revival of God's power on Main Street. We're talking about a revival of God's power inside the house of God. The same house of God that Jesus not but a few months ago come in and drove those selling worship tools and selling animals out and said, my father's house is a house of prayer. The same people that had heard Jesus speak. As we'll find out later, same people that had cried, crucify him. Oh, let's back up even further. The same people that had stood on the street and laid out palm branches and laid out their coats and said, Hosanna to the highest. That one week later cried, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. The same people that had heard the sound of other tongues from the upper room. That's it. That's how I know it's true. Because that's what we do. <gasps> God moved. What do you mean we had a wonderful service last night? It was just supposed to be a town hall meeting. It wasn't even really supposed to be church. Well, you missed it. All of a sudden, we get amazed when God moves in God's house. Can I tell you something? We will never see a pop-up revival in Main Street. We will never see a pop-up revival on our corner of our neighborhood. We will never see a pop-up revival on our job until we quit being surprised about a pop-up revival in our church. They were totally astounded. Absolutely, however it says it here, absolutely astounded. They all rushed out into an amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now this man has been shouting, and all of a sudden he's got a hold of Peter. He's like, ooh, dude, you gave me something, and I'm, I'm staying right by your side. Peter saw his opportunity. If we want revival to start happening, we've got to quit looking past our opportunity. We've got to start grabbing a hold of every opportunity God sends us. Last night, in getting ready for the service last night, Amy had called me earlier in the week. She goes, what do I do about worship on Sunday night? Do we need worship? I said, yeah, I'll do one or two songs. Just make it pretty light. And I think she had three songs on the list. I'm going to tell you for sure. You'll understand if you think Spirit of Anna's leading her. She keeps going off and doing all these new songs. I'm sitting over at night. There ain't no words on sound. I go, ain't nobody knew she's going to sing that. <laughs> all of a sudden, the Spirit began to move last night. And Amy, as the anointed leader of the service, began to see her opportunity. Not her opportunity to bring glory to God. Her opportunity to bring glory to God. All of a sudden, God began to move this song and that song and this song. And she looks at me at one point and goes, If y'all haven't figured it out, that means you can come up now. And I got the mic and I come up here. And she saw another opportunity and another opportunity. Can I, can I, can I tell you, let you in on a little secret about last night? I'm sitting there praying and I'm like, really think? I don't know, maybe I just like that song. That's a Pastor Thomas song. That's, I, 
I, I can't go over and tell her to do Isaiah six because because that's just me wanting to do you know wanting to be up here you know and be around the mic when my song's being played because that, that I like that song that's my song and and I and I'm I'm just God and all of a sudden she saw the Lord I'm like oh, oh here we go and when she started singing that song. I saw my opportunity. And and see, when we begin to pay attention to our opportunities, then we can address the crowd. But when we look past our opportunities, what happens is we don't see what God wants to do in somebody else. When I saw the opportunity last night to sing the song and exhort From Isaiah 6, I didn't realize that what God was preparing was not just something for last night, but it was for tonight. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, forgive me as I edit. People of the church, People of Souls Harbor, what is so surprising about this? God don't move like that around here. That's because you've been looking past your opportunity. But God says, I'm about to spring up in your life a revival that you haven't been ready for. A revival you didn't plan on. A revival you didn't schedule. A revival you didn't lay in place. A revival that you can't say, I'm the one that made that happen. No, I'm going to spring up in you something you didn't see coming. Don't be surprised when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords takes control and does whatever he wants to do. What is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? We didn't do this. We didn't make this happen. God made this happen. So now we've Introduce the sermon. I really like being the evangelist. Pastor Tommy would have had to make this a four-part series. Evangelist Tommy can do it all in one night. And day. And night. He says, let me tell you a few things. The first time he sees first thing he really tells them is you ask for the wrong one. He comes down to verse 14, and I encourage you, go home and read all of chapter 3. I, I'm not going to give you every detail. Go home and read it. But in verse 14, he says this, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. We've been asking for the wrong one. Again, remember, we're not talking to the world. We're talking to the church. But somewhere down the road, I'm going to be 50 in a few weeks. I can start acting old. Somewhere. My wife's been acting old for a while now. It's okay. Somewhere. Somewhere down the road. We started asking for the wrong one. We quit asking for the anointing of God, and we started asking for the entertainment of men. We quit asking for the holiness of the presence of God, and we started asking for grace that would let us do anything we wanted to do. We quit asking for God to change us, and we started saying, God, we want to change you. 
we quit seeking a God that created us in his image and we started trying to worship a God we created in our image. We've been asking for the wrong one. Peter was the one that could address the crowd because he knew what it was like to say the wrong thing. Peter was the one that says, I don't know who he is. Oh, we know. You're one. I bleeping don't know what you're bleeping talking about. Oh, you're here. I'm telling you, it's not me. I don't know who this guy is. (laughs) All of a sudden, Peter understood he had been asking for the wrong person. He had been asking for the wrong stuff. Peter. That's the reason I'm getting on us Christians. I wasn't getting on Mary. I'll tell you something. Kristen's doing a paper right now. She was talking to me the other day about Peter's uh, 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 recognition of who Christ was. Peter knew what it was like to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Most High. And before you can turn the page in the Bible, he gets so arrogant in who he thinks he is that he starts telling Jesus what to do. He's been saying the wrong things. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. One second, Jesus is calling Peter a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And just a few sentences later, Jesus is calling him Satan. Why? He was asking for the wrong person. He wanted stature. He wanted importance. He wanted safety. He wanted acceptance. Oh, I remember the days. There I go sounding old again. I remember the days when we were on the other side of the tracks in the Pentecostal church. I remember when we were holy rollers and we were weirdos and we were strange and we were odd. I remember when you, you if you knew what you were talking about, which I didn't know until I was a little bit older, you said, I'm Pentecostal. I remember when we were shunned But then we started getting accepted. Our buildings got bigger and prettier and more comfortable. We don't have tents anymore, and we don't have the sawdust floors anymore. And we've got air conditioning, and we've got heating, and we've got padded pews. We don't have wood pews that run splinters into your legs when you're trying to scoot into a seat. My mama was suiting into a seat one day, had a splinter go in her leg. No joke, it cut a nerve in her leg. She wound up losing a tooth. Did you not? I guess it all connected. I don't know. I've got a scar underneath this beard of mine where I fell and busted my chin on a hardwood pew. Had to get four, three or four stitches on my I could fall and bust my head on these chairs, and it'd take a lot to bust my, my mouth. I'm not going to try to exa- show you that, but I remember when we were not accepted. I'm not saying I don't want to, but somewhere we started asking for the acceptance instead of asking for Somewhere, somewhere down the line, we have, ex- we have exchanged the power and the anointing of the demonstration of the Holy Ghost in our life. Everybody thinks we're okay. We need to be a little more real. Can I go another step? 
somewhere we've decided that we need to look more like a concert than Somewhere we've decided that it's more important that we put on a good show than we know how to pray. I, I am sick and tired. Sick and tired fighting the battle to let pe- to get people to understand that when we move in the church, whether you're in the pulpit preaching, whether you're singing on the praise scene, praying an instrument, no matter what you're doing, I'm tired of getting people to understand you're not showing off what you can do. You're there, supposed to be there praising God. Quit getting up there and being somebody that everybody sees and everybody understands what you do and start humbling yourself and getting on your knees and praying and letting God do something. Quit asking me if you can preach in my pulpit if you don't know how to pray in the altar. Peter says you've been asking for the wrong one. You thought you had what you wanted. You thought if you could get rid of Jesus, you could get rid of the challenges. You thought that if you could get rid of him, it would stop everything. But I got news for you. Jesus can't be stopped by you. I don't know what God's doing with this revival. But I'm going to tell you something. Man ain't going to stop it. Man ain't going to stop this. You know what God told me this morning? I, I was asking, God, God, I'm a planner, God. I need to know. What are you thinking? I said, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Tell you later. Can I tell you what he did tell me? He said, this revival is about my move, not people. You know what I took from that? I began to realize it didn't matter. We could have had 300 in church today, but if God didn't move, this would be the last night. We could have had three in church today, and if God moved, we'd have done another night. See, I'm tired of looking for the wrong one. Pastor, let me just talk to you. It's high time that we quit worrying about who's in the church. And we start letting the anointing of God and the blessing of God be the only thing that directs our ministry, directs our thoughts, directs our church. If they don't like it and they want to leave, that's their business. We can open the doors and let them out. I don't care as long as we can stay on track with God. Amy, as a worship leader, you quit worrying about what people worship and what people sing. You do what God tells you to do. Sunday school teachers, quit worrying about whether or not your class is growing and start worrying about whether or not you've prayed over your own. Prayer director, worry whether or not people show up at prayer meeting. Make sure. Yeah, everybody else, I'm not telling you, you don't have to come to prayer. But I'm telling you, what matters is that we choose the right ones. If we follow him, everything else comes in place. Peter says you chose the wrong one. He says, this happened because of faith in his name. Verse 16 says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. The only thing that's going to change anything in our lives is faith in Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a program. It's not going to be a meeting. Oh, I, I like mission statements and I like core values and we're, I'm trying to lay all that stuff out. I'm working on policies and procedures, but ain't none of them going to change the world. But the anointing of God, faith in the power of Jesus Christ will change everything in our church. Faith in what Jesus can do. He said it was faith in the name of Jesus that healed this man. 
and you know how crippled he was. You know how crippled he was? Jesus walked by him and he was still crippled. Oh, something must be wrong. Again, church people was who's walking by. Man, he must be bad. Heard about a demon-possessed man in Gadara, had a thousand demons in him, and God delivered him. Jesus walked right by him. There's a man named Bartimaeus. Been blind his whole life. He cried out, and Jesus turned around and spoke, and he was healed, and he can see now. That man's still crippled. I heard one man, he was lame, and he went to the pool of Bethesda, and he was there for 38 years. And he couldn't get down into the water. And Jesus come by and said, you don't need an angel to stir the water. In the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. And he got up, and he's healed. And that man's still laying there. I knew a man was sick and about to die. Four of his friends picked up his bed and marched him across the city. Climbed up on a roof because they couldn't get in the building. Dug a hole in the ceiling and dropped his mat down in front of Jesus. Jesus looked up at him. Didn't even look at that man. Didn't even re- 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 respond to him. Looked up at them and said, your faith has healed him. And then he looked at the man and said, get up your sins are He got up and walked out because somebody else had faith. This guy's sitting by the gate of the temple. Somebody cared enough for him. They didn't put him by the courthouse. They didn't put him in the marketplace. They put him by the house of God, and he's laid here, and Jesus has walked by him. He's got to be a loser. He's got to have no hope. He's got to have no promise. Peter says, you know how crippled he was. But now, the faith of Jesus Christ, has healed him before your eyes. To a place that we quit saying that can't happen. And we start saying silver and gold have I not. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus. tell a story. I've, I've told it before. Forgive my redundance. That's a bad thing. Pastor. Evangelist Tommy, you don't hear this a thousand times. I preached that sermon called Makings of a Miracle in a ton of churches. And I preached it one night and every time I'd have a prayer line and I'd pray for healing. Man, I could believe God for headaches and financial miracles and back aches. And I'd have people, oh, my head quit hurting. Oh, my back quit hurting. All this, all that. I went to a church in Seminole, Oklahoma, and there was a cot on the side of the building. And there was a little girl in it that was still in the fetal position at 18. No response. I did the prayer line. People came through the prayer line. The last one in the line was that little girl. I want you to pray that God heals my daughter. And I went over and I knelt down next to that little girl. Didn't have enough faith in the name of Jesus. Give them strength. Finished that service, got in the car, was driving home. God began to speak to me. And he said, You're not allowed to preach that sermon anymore. God, that's that's one of my that's one of my that's one of my good ones. He said, until you can live it, you can't preach. And, and, and I went almost a year not being able to preach that sermon. Wound up in Tucson, Arizona, getting ready for the revival. The night before revival started, I would lay out a schedule, sort of what I would plan to preach. I'm a planner, okay? And I'd, I'd lay out, I'm going to preach this, 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 and I'm going to wear this, this. Joke, I have a list of what I wear. And I laying out my sermons, and God says, Friday night, I want you to preach Makings of a Miracle. Really? 
Oh, I knew that I knew that I knew that if I was going to preach it, I was going to get a chance to test it. Sure enough, I get there that night, and I'm preaching, and I'm talking about the makings of a miracle, being where you need to be, doing what you need to do, giving away what you need to give away. And all of a sudden, I, I began to look over, and there was a little boy in a wheelchair. And got into the prayer line. And I don't know why the big ones always get They got in the back of the line. I don't know if I prayed for anybody else. Get me to the wheelchair. Got that little boy's name was Leonard Diaz. I began to pray for Leonard. God healing. In the name of Jesus, healing. And I, we prayed for 30 seconds. Leonard cried. Mama and daddy cried. Leonard cried. Leonard had never stood up on his own. We finally went home. Everybody was tired. Leonard was tired. Leonard had a little sister there that was tired. We all went home. I got Leonard's name. I got their phone number. I said, God's going to do something. You let me know. I'm praying. I believe. Get home. I'm eating a sandwich, and the phone rings at the pastor's house. And the pastor says, it's for you. I go, and it's Leonard's mother. She said, Pastor, I had to call and tell you. Said we got home tonight. Said we're all tired. Said we put Leonard in the living room, turned on the TV. We went in to make some sandwiches and we heard something. Said we walked back in to the living room and Leonard's little sister had come to Leonard's chair and had unbuckled his seatbelt. Took Leonard by the hand and said, Leonard, preacher said, rise up and walk. And for the first time in Leonard's life, Leonard stood up. He didn't go running that night, but he stood up, took a couple of steps. Why? Because somebody said, in the name of Jesus, don't just look at it, don't just talk about it. We're going to add some action to it. We're going to take them by the hand. I got news for you. We've got crippled people physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and we need to reach out and take them by the hand and say, rise up and be healed. We got to believe it. He says this happened because we had faith in his name. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of what we are. It's because we trust in who he is. Then he says, verse 19, Now repent your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Whoa. Don't you said this church people, Pastor? Excuse me, evangelist. Don't you said this was church people? It was church people that was so wicked and caught up in sin that they couldn't even see that they were in darkness. Looks them in the eye, says, "Now repent of your sins, so that your sins can be wiped away." Quit whitewashing the truth. Quit trying to cover it up. Quit trying to say that I go to church and that's all I need to do. Quit trying to say that as long as I sing, it's okay, or I teach a Sunday school class. That's not enough to get you into heaven. Somewhere we got to repent. We got to turn around from our bad mindsets, from our bad attitudes, from the bad words that come out of our mouth, from the thoughts that we're living in, from the pain and the sorrow when we're drowning and dying in sins of judgment and unforgiveness and hatred and anger and self-righteousness and we think somehow God's going to let us into heaven repent from your sin so that it can be wiped away from you how revival is really going to happen when the church gets saved talking about wanting to reach our city. We can't even reach our own pews. You can't lead somebody to Christ if you only know his name, you don't know his address. 
I know Donald Trump's name. I even know his address. But I can't go walking in his house anytime I want to. Oh, but when we've repented and we've let God wipe away our sin, the Bible says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That means I now have access to the Holy of Holies. I can go where I can go where Isaiah was, and I can see the power of the Lord, and I can see his presence. It's not something secluded from me anymore. Why? Because I've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I've been given a place in glory, and I've been given an opportunity to bask in the glory of the Holy of Holies. Pastor, I've been in the church for 40 years. I've been in the church for 50. Actually, I've been in church for about 50 years and eight months. My dad was pastor in the church when I was still in my mama's belly. I don't know who said it first. I first heard it from. Brother Les Higgins, wonderful pastor that I know. Brother Higgins once said, if going to church makes you a Christian, then going in a garage makes you a car. I know it's for you. It's time we learn the art of repentance. Do you know what the word repent means? It means to change direction. You know what we like to do? Oh, I've repented. I repented again. I don't know why I just keep having to bring this to Jesus because you ain't turning around. Paul said, Peter, change your direction. Change your course. Change your way of thinking. Let your sins be wiped away. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. I got news for you. It's time we become a new church. It's time we quit looking like we've always looked. It's time we quit acting like we've always acted. It's time that we quit trying to be important or trying to be this or trying to be that or trying to make sure that we've got a position or a title. And it's time we start repenting and we say, God, turn me around and send me in the right direction. Wipe away my sin and let me see life from a different view. I move chairs around in this church quite often. And every time I move chairs around, you have to find another seat. And every time you find another seat, you see church differently. Some of you used to sit in the back, now you sit in the front. Some of you have been on the left side, and then you're on the right side. Helen, she's been in the middle, and the back, and the right, the left. The... I think she moves around enough, she'll hide from me, and I won't pick on her. Howard done it, migrated all the way to the back seat. And back there with three amigos back there. See, y'all didn't see Howard was dancing during worship. I looked back, he was moving those feet, moving my body, moving my feet, and he was moving those feet. I went back there and I said, if you're going to dance like that, you better stand up. See, when we move around, we get a new view. The reason some of you haven't had any excitement in God is you haven't let God change your view. You keep seeing things the way you want to see them instead of letting God show you what he wants, what he wants you to see. I'm going to, give you a, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray that will mess you up. God, let me see, you the, let me, see me the way you see me. That will mess your mind up. That will probably make you mad before it makes you happy. God, let me see me the way you see me. And then the next thing is find that person you have a hard time getting along with. God, let me see them the way you see them. 
That person, you just don't know if you can forgive. God, let me see them the way you see them. All of a sudden, our sins become wiped away because we have repented. We have changed direction. We have a promise. We have an anointing. Peter goes on from here, and he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus and your appointed Messiah. Your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time of the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. Now look at verse number 25. You are the children of those prophets. And you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Church, I've come by here to tell you the covenant The covenant is yours. The promise of revival, the promise of victory, the promise of healing, the promise of deliverance, the promise of freedom, the promise of anointing, the promise of power, the promise of strength, the promise of peace, the promise of mercy isn't belonging to somebody else, but it's a promise that was given to you. We have been grafted into the family of God and every promise of the word of God rests on our hearts. It's stamped on our lives and it belongs in our, in our, in our, in our existence, in our being. We're looking around and saying somebody else gets that blessing. Quit. Quit sitting in the house of God every service and explaining away why this one has blessing and that one has blessing, and I just don't get it. God's just called me to suffer for Jesus. You are part of the covenant. Every promise of the word is yours. Every word spoken over the church was spoken over you. Every victory, every healing was spoken into your life. All you've got to do is accept it. All you have to do is accept it. Do anything with five dollars. Can do five dollars. All right, go sit down. Come here. Could you do anything with five dollars? We'll get back to that in a second. You know that's what a lot of us do. God says, "Could you do anything with my power?" Probably would need a little more than that. Need to be, yeah, I can do something. I can do something. Here's what I'm going to do. This is your side. What did he do? Took it. You don't know what to do. 
Notice I only did that with a kid. If I gave $5 to an adult, everybody would be lining up. Like, here, where am I? Listen here, folks. My, that, wallet, that was the last $5 in my wallet right there. Tell you something. God has told you that what he has is yours. He has told you what he has is yours. And we keep going, this God would give me something. We just got to take it. We just got to reach out and grab a hold of it. How do you grab a hold of it, Pastor? In faith. We have enough faith to say, God has already given me the victory, and I'm going to walk in that victory. God has already given me the healing, and I'm going to walk in that healing. God has given me the joy, and I refuse to be angry. The covenant is ours to get there. We got to go through the repentance. We got to go through the faith. Let me, let me. I'm closing. We're going to do an altar call because evangelist Tommy does altar calls. But I got, I got to show you this. Jump over to Acts chapter four. It says. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captains of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people through Jesus, that, that through Jesus there was resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But! But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled 5,000. The pop-up revival. It happened because somebody saw their opportunity. And they taught They taught on the faith in Jesus. They commanded repentance. And they celebrated covenant. See, I think too many times we do one or two of those, but we don't do all of them. We don't trust Faith in the name of Jesus. And without faith in the name of Jesus, there is no repentance. And there is no covenant. But some of us can believe in Jesus, but we don't want to change. We don't want to rent. rent. We don't want to repent. We just want to rent. I knew I was going somewhere. We don't want... We don't want God's house to be our house. We just want to occupy it a little bit. He says, but when you trust in my name, you've got to repent. Let me wipe away. Some of us have trusted his name. We've repented. We let God wipe away our sin, but we still don't believe we're part of the covenant. We don't walk in victory. We don't walk in power. We don't walk in anointing because we don't think that's for us. There are whole movements, whole churches that live without the power of Pentecost because they don't believe it's for them. Hey, do I think they can get to heaven? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can, like somebody I saw the other day on Facebook, somebody asked them if they could get to heaven without the Holy Ghost, and they said, I don't know if I can get to Walmart without the Holy Ghost. We've got to have faith. We've got to repent, and we've got to understand we're part of the covenant. Here's what we're going to do tonight. You can't have any of it until you have faith. And I'm going to ask you tonight, in a few minutes, I'm going to pray. Pastor Tommy worries about how people feel. Evangelist Tommy doesn't know you. So Evangelist Tommy's going to be a little more bold. 
And I'm going to say that if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I just don't know if I can believe what you're saying. I don't know that I can have that kind of faith. When I pray here in a minute, I want you to come and stand on this side of the sanctuary. You can sit on an altar if you need to sit, but I want you on this side of the sanctuary. To hear tonight, understanding that everybody that was preached to in this sermon in Acts chapter 3 was church folk. I'm not talking about are you church of God. I'm not talking about are you a church person. You say, Pastor, I haven't repented. I haven't changed my direction. I haven't changed my attitude. I haven't changed my thoughts. I haven't changed my path. I need to repent and let God wipe my sins away. I want you to come and stand in the middle. I'm going to ask these ladies if they'll move once we have prayer. If somebody needs to sit, they can sit on that. And if you're here, say, Pastor, I believe. And, and I've repented. I, I got my eyes on Jesus. But I just don't know that it's mine. I, I, I don't know that I can grab a hold of that covenant, that everything that the Bible says is mine. I want you to come to this side of the sanctuary. Pastor, why are we doing this? Why are we going to different areas? Why are we? Because I want to know how to pray for you. I want the people that come and help pray, I want them to know how to pray for you. Over here, we're going to be asking God to open your eyes, open the eyes of faith so that you can see without human sight, so you can understand that God is real even when you can't feel him. If you're here, I want to be able to come to you and say all you've got to do is look away from where you've been and start following where he is. Change your direction. And if you're over here, I want to be able to come and lay my hands on you and say God has prepared a blessing for you. God has prepared a table for you. He's prepared an anointing for you, a ministry for you. And just like that $5, all you got to do is take it. All you've got to do is take it. And when I pray this prayer, I'm going to tell you right now, it's completely up to y'all. I could be up here all sweaty and out of breath, and we can go home and eat dinner. Or you can be honest with what's been challenging you. You can walk out of here full of pride, full of spiritual ego, and say, well, I don't need anything from God, and go out of here the same way you came in. Or when I pray this prayer, you can get wherever you need to be, humbly, and say, God, fix it. God, fix it. This is your opportunity. When your life changes, those around you will change. As I pray, I want you to come to one of these three places. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, Lord, I pray that there would be courage arise in the hearts and lives of men and women in this church. Lord, I know it's hard to say I don't have faith, but Lord, if that's what's struggling them, Lord, I pray that you let them feel it. Let them walk into it. Lord, I know it's difficult, Lord, to say I need to repent. I need to change. I need to turn around. But Lord, let them understand it is the hope of life. It is the direction of our steps. Lord, I know sometimes it's scary to say, I I believe in you and I understand you, but sometimes I struggle whether or not it's for me. Lord, right now, I want you to send victory. Lord, as they begin to fill this altar, Lord, I want you to send your power. I want you to send your anointing. I want you to begin to send answers long before I or anybody else begin to pray with them. Lord, I want you to send your answers into their life. Lord, I thank you and I praise you.